Welcome to On the Prowl. Hi everybody, welcome to On the Prowl. I'm Robert Rowan. And this is Randy Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today we have a special guest, Jeff Coggins, host of the Jeff Coggins Show on 92.9 ESPN and a columnist at the Daily Memphian. Here he is, Jeff Coggins. Hey Jeff, thank you for coming on. Oh, it's good to be here. Good to see you both. Thank you. So you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff underscore Calkins. What's kept you busy during the coronavirus break? Well, it's funny because for me, you know, I know a lot of people say they're, uh, you know, cleaning out their closet and binge watching uh, something on TV and whatever else. Honestly, I've been busier than I have ever been. And it's because I mostly have shifted from writing about sports to writing about the coronavirus. Uh, I've written a series of columns. You know, I wrote a column about the uh, the third person in Shelby County who died of it. I wrote a column about a friend of mine who had the coronavirus and sort of where she went all over town before she tested positive for it. Um, you know, I've written a, a series of columns about about the about the virus. And so, and then honestly, with the radio show, there's not much sports talk about it, or there hasn't been. Lately, there has, because there's been some news on the Memphis Tiger front. But so I really turned the radio show into a show that's about the coronavirus. And I would have uh, congressmen on and and, uh, and uh, I had the mayor on and I've had infectious disease experts, doctors on. And we've opened up the phones to uh, people who want to call in and talk about how this is all affecting them. So for me, and, and that kind of work in some ways takes more effort than just going to a game and writing about it. Like it, at least part of my job when I was writing about sports, it, not all of it, but part of it was just show up at a game and write about it. And that's, there's some time pressures when you do that, but it's a pretty discreet event. You just show up at seven o'clock and the game starts and by midnight you have a column in. So in a, in a way, the, what I'm doing now in some ways takes more creativity and harder work than what I was doing before. So, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of extra time to fill. And then I've got three kids, two are in college, one's a senior in high school, and they're all home taking virtual classes. And so I've got a full house again, which I didn't used to have. So I'm doing more grocery shopping and whatever else. So uh, so it's actually been a busy time. Since you've been so busy, have you had any like chances to have takeout? Like, do you have a favorite place to go eat during this time? Yeah, we do. I, I try, I've tried to do a bunch of takeout because I do think it's important to support some of these places, right? So, you know, I, I advertise, Bounty and Pimentos advertise on my show, and I've taken a ton of takeout for both of those. But then in addition, uh, Mosa is right near where I live, and it's closed. I ordered out from there a bunch of times. Memphis Pizza Cafe is very close to where I live, uh, so I ordered out there a couple times. Uh, Las Delicias is close to where I live, so I ordered there a couple times. Um, let's see, where else have I ordered at? Uh, got Indian food a couple nights ago. Uh, so we did that. Yeah, I actually, I'm trying to order out as much as possible because I know those restaurants are trying to stay in business. So how do you think sports is going to change after coronavirus? Well, I think the key point of what you just said was after coronavirus, right? So when is after? Is after in two years or is after in September? Or what is, I think the key will be getting to after. And because I don't think we're going to get to after completely for a long time. Yeah. Uh, we might gradually open up as a society and whatever else. So to me, the interesting question is, is how are we going to get to? I think when, if it's gone and at some point, if people have antibodies and their vaccine, I think sports will be much the same as it is now. The, but in, in, in the fall, 
I could easily see pro football without fans. And I could easily see college football that the season is put, because I don't think they want to do it without fans. So for college football, I could easily see it pushed back, the starting time to, you could even have spring football for that matter. So I think there's a lot of changes that are in store um, before we get to, uh, before we get to after, you know, if the Grizzlies start up next fall, when the Grizzlies start up next fall, maybe they won't start up till Christmas. Maybe the NBA will say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to push the starting time to Christmas. Or if they start in the fall, maybe they'll say you can only, you know, the seats have to be this far apart and there's Santa hand sanitizers everywhere. And you know, there's a lot of figuring out to do before we get to after the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of the after, um, with the commitment of Ahmad Rand and Landers Nolly, how do you think the um, that changes the makeout of the Tiger basketball team in the future? Well, Landers Nolly is obviously a big, big, big get if, particularly if you know if he's eligible. Correct. My suspicion is um, obviously the NCAA is voting in May as to whether allow immediate availability, immediate eligibility for players who transfer, or whether they have to sit out for a year. My suspicion is, is that if he's told he has to sit out for a year, he may just turn pro at that point, you know? So I think Memphis fans should hope that the transfer rule changes kick in. And then if you can add Landers Nolly, and if you can figure out a way that he and DJ Jeffries and and everyone else can be happy, um, I think it once again elevates him into a team that you'd predict going to the NCAA tournament. Um, You know, they won't come in with the expectations of last year's team and James Wiseman. Um, They won't feel, you know, like they're being shafted if they don't get picked preseason top 10. But I think it's a team that's probably fully capable of going to the NCAA tournament. And in year three of Penny, I think that's probably um, what the expectation should be. Um, So I thought it was a huge get for huge get for Memphis. So what is the thing with, most of the top commits going to the G League. Yeah. I don't know that it's most. I mean, so far we have two who have said they're going to the G League. And I, you know, at a philosophical letter level, I'm in favor of it. I've always thought the run and done rule is stupid. The idea that in order to be a college basketball player, you should be forced to go to college seems dumb to me. Um, you're not forced to go to college if you want to play tennis. You're not forced to go to college if you want to play golf. You're not forced to go to college if you want to be a plumber. You're not forced to go to college if you want to be a rap star. You're not, you know, rap. You, you're, you're not, you, you don't, there's no reason you should be forced to go to college. Right. Um, and I suspect ultimately they will change the one and done rule. So in the meantime, to have this for kids who have no interest in college, I, I think it's kind of demeaning to the college experience to force them to go to college for eight months, you know? Um, so I think philosophically, it's a good thing. I think, um, I still think there will, the people who choose to go to college will be the ones who value the college experience, whatever it is, whether it's the academic part or more probably it's the part about playing in front of all these fans and playing for a championship and going to the final four. There will still be players who value that and who make that choice, but this makes it provides another option. And it was obviously a blow for Memphis. And so I felt bad from that perspective, but in terms of does it make sense for the system? Yes. It seems to me that it does. What do you see the future holding for Precious Achua? Oh, I he'll be a lottery pick. And, you know, to me, the question then is, um, and I think he'll have a long NBA career because uh, he's got a big motor and he's got ability, right? Yeah. And so then the only question is, is he a guy who will be able to refine his skills? You know, Kawhi Leonard, when he came into the league, wasn't Kawhi Leonard, right? Um, you know, Bam Adebayo wasn't when he came into the league, wasn't Bam So you take players who have come in and, and there's some who just become role players, energy players off the bench, and then there's players who um, 
who improve their skill and refine their game. And it'll be interesting. But I think either way, he'll have a long NBA career. And I think Memphis fans will always have real affection for him because he was thrust in a position he didn't want to be in, and he embraced it in the end and played well and, and was one of the real high spots of the season. So do you think we've seen the last of the transfers, or do you think anyone else will leave to go to the NBA, or what do you expect? Well, I think what's interesting will be um, if Mike Miller leaves, and it wouldn't surprise me at this point still if he did, then the guys who were identified as his guys, Boogie and Lester in particular, in particular you know, if he leaves and players are eligible to transfer immediately – you could see an argument where they might say, okay, fine, we're leaving. But I think probably even if that happens, Mike would advise them to stay. This is a good situation for them. They're going to have lots of playing time. They've proved, you know, they're comfortable here. So I guess my suspicion is that there will not be any more transfers, but um, I think Memphis fans should breathe easier when, you know, when they find out that, that if Mike leaves, that either Mike's staying or that if Mike leaves, that, that his guys are staying. And then, and then beyond that, you know, DJ's clearly coming back. I'll be interested to see how it works with, uh, you know, with DJ, uh, given that we have now two players who really should be fours in college or, you know, and but one of them's going to have to, one of them's going to have to, neither one wants to play the four. And, uh, you know, ne- neither DJ nor Landers want to play the four. And, and yet they both can't, you know, can they both be the three? So I don't know if you'll have any emerging dissatisfaction on the part of DJ ultimately, but that's clearly way down the road. So right. I think likely uh, you're done with transfers. On the football side of things, how do, you, how do you feel about Ryan Silverfield? What do you feel about the program he's going to build in the city of Memphis? You know, I like Ryan a lot, and um, and I really think he is he, – he built – he got a hell of a staff. He got a great defensive coordinator. Right, right, right. Um, I think people are really impressed by the staff he built. I think for Ryan, it's funny that the fact that we've having this delay in the year, it makes it hard for, for someone like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss because he's trying to build something and install a system and all of that stuff. Right. And that's its own challenge. For Ryan Silverfield, I think the key is – he really wants to play this year yeah. because um, he has a really good team. I mean, they, they need to play this year for economic reasons and everything else. But for Ryan, he's got Kenny Gainwell for this year. He's got Brady for this year. Uh, you know, he's got receivers. For, and, and so for him, it seems to me that he needs this year to be played because this is the year he's got those studs. Yeah. And it will help him immediately establish his credibility right off the bat. Whereas – if those guys are gone by the time they actually play football, then I'll have it'll be a steeper climb for him. What is your favorite part about having your job here in Memphis, the city of Memphis? You know, the best part of my job, honestly, is I mean, I've loved covering a lot of things. It's I've had a lot of fun. I, I covered seven, eight Olympics, I guess. You know, that's a lot of fun. I've covered Final Fours and Super Bowls and Masters golf tournaments and everything else. But the best part of my job, very clearly, is sort of the connection with the city. You don't. Have, there are not many jobs out there where people walk up to you in the grocery store and say, you know, I enjoy your work or, or I hate your work or whatever it is. It's, yeah. But it's that connection between the city and between me and the city that I really like the most. And then, you know, I came here 24 years ago, not necessarily expecting to stay in Memphis forever. And it's really become home and I, and I love the city. And, um, and so that's clearly the best part. It's, it's, it's to be able to to sort of connect to a city through my job. It's not as much as I love the job. 
I probably love that more than I love the, even the job itself. You were kind of alluding to it already, but do you feel the city of Memphis has given you like a specific platform, like like with your connections or with your job in general? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because when I came here, the job that I had, which was, you know, the columnist at the Commercial Appeal was the original job I had. That was at a time when the subscriptions, there were circulation, the Commercial Appeal was 250,000 people. And and in each household, there might have been three people who read the paper, like everybody got the paper. And the job of the quote unquote local sports columnist was... I didn't create the platform. The platform was there. Like that was the the job in sports was to be a, a you know a city's columnist, and so I was lucky enough to get that job, and um, and in a place where people cared about the paper and cared what the columnist said, and so that's what gave me the platform. Now that platform has largely gone away in the sense that whether it's the Daily Memphian or the Commercial Appeal, whatever, not close to that many people get it anymore. You know, um, I, th- I think we said we have 13,000 digital subscribers and we have more digital subscribers than the Commercial Appeal has. Right. And right, so right. that sort of platform of the big city columnist it, it is not the same as it once was. But I have the advantage that I, you know, to the extent I sort of, I, I, I had that platform for 20 years. And so that gave me kind of a leg up rather than someone who comes in and starts new has to establish that. And it's a, that's more challenging. Right. And then the radio show right now used to be that everyone said to me, I love or hate your column. Now many more people say, I love or hate your radio show, you know, and it's the radio show that has become sort of the bigger megaphone. So other than sports, what's your favorite thing about the city of Memphis? Oh, I, I really like the fact that in Memphis, you can make a difference. I think really like you matter to Memphis. Um, If you live in New York city or Washington DC or Boston or someplace Chicago, it's, you you can make a demand in your neighborhood, of course, in your own way. But I really get the sense that in Memphis, the needs are so great that, um, that you can come in here and you matter. And I think in the end, we, you know, in the end, it's not how much money you collect in the, the course of a lifetime or anything else. It's people want to have meaning in their life, right? right? And for me, it's it's a place where it's easy to sort of find meaning because I think everyone really is needed here to, to sort of lift this place up. And so I really like that about it. But I also honestly like the size. It's a, uh, it's not a tiny little town. It's got everything I need in a city. But when I end up, you know, I lived for a while in New York City and I lived in Washington, D.C. and I lived in Boston and lived in Miami. Um, now, when I visit those places and then I come back here, I'm so grateful to be back here. Like there's even even before the pandemic, there basically was no traffic. Housing is cheap. Like it's an easy place to live and people are friendly. Um, and so those are among the things I like. But really, probably most of all, I like the fact that, you know, you're, you, you matter here. We all do. That is true. Well, speaking of the city of Memphis, what are you what are you most excited about the future of Memphis in general, like Memphis sports, the city? Just what what are you excited about? Oh, I think I'm more worried about it right now than I am excited. I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited to get out of my house and to start stuff again. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Like it's hard not to be excited about John Morant, right? It'd be excited about a Memphis football season. There there are lots of exciting things, but for a town that was poor originally. Mm-hmm. relatively speaking, let's take as an NBA town, right? It's all, it was one of the smallest, poorest NBA towns in the league. And then you have this pandemic and Memphis becomes that much poorer. I think it's becomes more of a challenge to support everything that we need to support in this city. Um, you know, FedEx has had its struggles and supports so much of the things in this city. Are they going to be able to support everything that they support? 
So um, for me, that's the, 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 it's not, I'm, of course I'm excited because I'm I'm optimistic about the future, but really to me, the challenge will be uh, hanging on to what we have and continuing to support what we have and continuing to try to lift people out of poverty and all of that. It's many of the same challenges that we have that have only been multiplied by this. So with John Morant leading the Grizzlies to the eighth spot as of right now, the eighth of the playoffs, do you think if they pick up the NBA season, do you think it'll just be playoffs or do you think they'll like restart the whole season or how do you think? I think it's more likely that they would have a reduced playoff than they would have a full, you know, that they bring back four teams in each conference and, and rather at this point, rather than have a um, expanded, you know, a, a season with extra, with extra games. I think Ja will still be rookie of the year and, uh, and they may figure out some way to do some kind of, you know, playoffs, but I, I'm finding it a little hard to believe that they could actually have a regular season. Do you feel, do you have any like solutions or do you have any like plans for the city of Memphis after this virus, whenever the after maybe you know i do i have any plans i mean i'm i'm not i'm not the civic planner i think one of the things that i really like about memphis is that so many people are engaged in improving the city of memphis like as many, we got huge problems but we have lots of people who roll up their sleeves and address the problems like right now church health is this thing you know is, is a church health is a group that one of the biggest nonprofit uh, health uh, organizations that helps uh, under and uninsured people in the country, one of the most successful. So when they needed someone to be in charge of testing in the city, who the, like the, the number two person at church health is really coordinating testing for the city. And so that's like, but, but people just roll up their sleeves here. And so I guess what I hope is, is that, and what I think is that the people who I take the daily Memphis in and of itself, like it mm-hmm. exists because People said, oh, my God, that commercial appeal is getting crushed by Gannett. It's not a, a reasonable newspaper anymore. And so, because not because the people aren't great. The people are great over there. The people who are there, it's just Gannett is a horrible newspaper company that here in the midst of a pandemic furloughed, uh, furloughed people. And so um, so the Daily Met, the people who started the Daily Memphian said, we got to create something, another news source. And so... Everywhere you look, there are people who are willing to roll up their sleeves and go to work for Memphis. And I think that's one of the thrilling things about the city. That's pretty cool to hear. Yes, it is. So with the NFL draft this weekend, what are, you, what are your thoughts on it? Have it with it being all like from Zoom and virtually and like where no one can be in the room? Well, I, you know, what's funny, like I think, I think Zoom has been a lot of fun. I think people are so hungry for contact with human contact that to see familiar faces through Zoom has been fun. And I think we're so hungry for sports that to have a draft through Zoom will be fun. It doesn't matter. Like we just want something. And so I know some people have criticized the NFL. I am not one of them. I'm looking forward to the draft. I love the draft. My only sadness is that my beloved Buffalo Bills don't have a first round draft pick. I don't mind the trade because they acquired Stephon Diggs for the first round pick and I'd take that. But it's more fun when you have a first round pick. So I'm looking forward to it. So with – we were saying the Zoom thing. Do you, how do you think it'll be? That's what we're wondering. Oh, it'll be crazy. You know, people, they'll be coming. I mean, Goodell's going to be announcing the picks from his basement, you know, <laughs> and there's going to be no hugging, you know, really. And there's going to be, you know, and then you'll go to the player who will also be like us right now. And, you know, from his house, I talked to Jimmy Sexton, who represents a lot of the players, including Joe Burrow. And, you know, they're not going to show anyone on, on TV if they have more than 10 people in the house. They're just not going to, you know, they're not going to do it. Normally normally have these big draft parties. Yeah. So you're going to have a player sitting there and whatever, but it'll be fun anyway. 
you know, it'll it'll be a blast, but it'll be certainly different. You're not gonna you're not gonna have the scene like you had in Nashville last year, that's for sure. Well, as a Rams fan, I can share your sentiment of not having a first round pick. There you go. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Problem. Oh, well, thanks for joining us today on this episode of On the Proud Podcast. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's fun being on with you guys. Best of luck with it. I okay. Mean, see y'all. I'm Robert Rutten. I'm Ramey Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on the Prowl. With the boys, yeah, we swoops, yeah, we swoops. And we got them high blocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot. With the Mercedes Benz in the coop, in the coop. And this shit's so fing hard, it's on loop, it's on loop.